Hello, mortals. This is Ralagul the Magnificent, and you are listening to Sean and Brett at Gaming and BS. Welcome to Gaming and BS, a tabletop uh, podcast where we talk about RPGs. Today we're talking about latency in RPG combat. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome back, folks. Sean, you, uh, you're alive. That's uh, good. I am alive. Sean has been a victim of the Gary Con Concrud. I don't know. Apparently has slain other members of the gaming community. I don't so know. Our hearts go out to their families. I don't know if it's the Concrud, man. I, no, you think it's something else? I came home Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I ran three miles each day. I think the last day I ran. Like, were you, were, were you, wait, were you being chased? I was not being chased. And what the fuck were you running for? I got to get in shape, man. All right, all right, all right. I'm chubby. <laughs> all right. It's not working. Anyways, so I was fine. Wednesday was a rough one. Thursday got even rougher. I don't think I ran Thursday at all. Otherwise, I would have died. But it's. I've heard people, it's going around. It's not like, unless us congoers are spreading the plague throughout the nation, but I've heard that... That is possible. People have had it at work, and I don't know. So anyways, yeah, I've I've considered removing my lungs because they're obviously not working. So like, well, I, I think you're up, actually full of some sort of viscid fluid oh, based on the way you were hacking the other day. Going upstairs is like, oh my God, man. I'm so tired. God, it's annoying. I think I'm around, I'm at the corner, but yeah. Anyways, enough about my health because you guys really want to hear about that. Well, on my side, I'm feeling great. So this is awesome for this me. Freaking great, Brett. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. Shall we do announcements? Yeah, dude, go. So go. <laughs> excuse me, I found a couple good ones here. Uh, Forge Midwest Forge Midwest, if I could speak, yeah. is coming. Ford Mid Forge Midwest.wordpress.com. Link in the show notes. This is the uh it's indie, indie, indie games, indie games, indie games. Lots of good stuff. Sean usually makes it for a good chunk of it. If I'm right, Sean, this is the uh, first weekend in April. April 1st through the 3rd at the Best first Western East Town Suites here in Madison, Wisconsin. Awesome. I am going to be out of town that weekend, as I usually am. But Sean will be here, and I'm sure Sean will. You usually make it for at least half a day or a day, don't I you? I usually go on the Saturday um, as early as I can, which is around 10 a.m., and... Uh, it is a unique convention. We've talked about it on, on the show before. Um, it's very, it is, there's no grid. Um, it's very inexpensive. There's no badge price. It's literally free to go. Um, you pitch, there's a muster, you pitch your game, people volunteer to play it, and then you go and play. And it's a lot of independently published solo uh, game designer, publisher, people, Last year you had uh, Ron Edwards was there running one of his games. Ron was there. Yep. He got to play in his. Yep. And uh, Sabe, uh, who is a guy here in Madison, ran one of his play tests for one of his games. The game's name escapes me at the moment. Um, But yeah, it's, uh, and it's, I think they had a little LARP going in one of the conference rooms. Uh, But it is, it is a quaint, quaint personal uh, con for sure. That's cool. You know, you're not going to have the exhibit hall. yeah. Very cool though. Yes. Lots if I'm of, not if I if my plans change, I will go there instead of where I am going this that weekend, but we shall see. Lots of games that you may not play in in, in anywhere else. Which I think Very is cool. good. Yeah. Absolutely. So go Speak, speaking of cons, Gamehole Con, of course, their event submission opens up April first. Yes. So if you are interested in running something under the gaming NBS kind of banner, that would be greatly appreciated. We want to show these guys that we're really out to support them. Um, we're friends of the crew. We're obviously big game whole fans. Um, so people may say, if you're going to run a game, if you're and if you're interested in running it under gaming NBS, great. If not, hey, that's cool. We'll see you there. Um, but if you are, the one way to do it, I think in when we did it for GaryCon, so Alex at Gamehole asked me to run something under his GameholeCon banner. Um, it would just be, when I submitted my event, it was 
game hole, game hole con or from the game hole presents, and then the title of your event. So I would imagine if you put in gaming and BS presents and the title of your event, that's kind of what we're looking for. So Sweet. Brett and I are both going to run games at least. Absolutely. We've, we've dedicated two slots at least. Yes. Over a three-day weekend. Yeah, Sean and I are actually getting together this Friday over lunch. Going to drag him out of his home office to uh, to the office and kind of noodle on what we're going to do. Because we got to make sure that we time things appropriately so that any of the seminars that we want to cover, we cover. We might have to talk to Josh over there and make sure we don't uh, book ourselves on top of something. So. so we're considering recording Monty Cook, who will be there. Potentially Chris Perkins, who will be there. Um, there's a few others. We have the list of panels up to this point. Yep, and it usually grows between now and then, so things things will change around on us. So we are going to be picking and choosing, unfortunately, because we just can't record every hour that they have. But um, we'll we'll choose accordingly. I don't yep. know. Maybe we'll put it up as a poll. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? The other piece, the last one, um, back to speaking of uh, podcasts and such, the Savage Bloggers Network. We are dragging those boys over here next week. So, Sean, what are we going to talk about? Oh, my Savage God. Savage Worlds, dude. SW, Ron Blessing, and Christian Sexy Boy Serrano is going to be on with us. They announced it on their show. Uh, I heard them. They are excited to be on. We're going to try to do it all in one. I don't know if we can cover SW all in one episode. We may not do Random Encounter next week so we can get through all the stuff. But it yeah, is just to make sure. It's going to be a blast with those two guys for sure. Well, we've talked about this on the show is that Brett is not a Savage Worlds fan. And that's usually because, as I've, as I've said many times about that topic, I'm not doing it right. I'm doing something wrong. Well, these boys obviously live and breathe Savage Worlds. They know the shit inside and out. So much like we did with Jen Brinkman, let's get an expert in here if we can wrangle someone who's willing to talk to us. And uh, these two boys drew the short straw. So they'll be on the show and we'll see what we can figure out. <laughs> they said on their show, I wonder how many people they went through to get to us. <laughs> well, it wasn't was, that bad. It was, no. Basically, Sean and I know six people total. And, right. And you two make up part of those six. Yeah, so right. there we go, guys. Yeah. Anyway, looking forward to it. It's going to be a good show. It's going to be out of control and give those guys a listen if you're interested in Savage Worlds and what's going on in the world of in the world of Savage. Yes. That is that is of Savage. They know their stuff. It's yeah. Good. It's good. It's a good program. Woot woot. Random encounter. Right. Do it. Uh, my button was stuck. Random Encounter, a segment of the show where we field emails, voicemails, and comments from social media and our website from you. Where are we going to start? You want to start? You want me to start? start? I'll give you a break there. That was a lot of work for you right there. I got to catch my breath. Easy. Take a step back. Easy. (laughs) All right. On episode 77, when we talked about um, opposed roles, Roger Braslett wrote in, uh, I had said that this uh, that episode was spawned by Roger and I conversation at Gamehole last year, and I wanted to see if I had done it right or done it justice. Roger says, I think Brett did an excellent job. Yay! Representing my view on opposed die rolls. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll point out, yes, this is from a D&D slash D20 combat point of view. If I'm rolling to hit and I have a target number to beat, that includes the foe's armor and dexterity, i.e. armor class, and I hit, I don't want that success taken away from me, by an opposed role from someone else. I think that AC should account for all obstacles I have to overcome in order to damage the target. If I overcome the obstacles, I want to enjoy my success, not be shot down by someone else's lucky role that negates my accomplishment. Taking away my hit takes away my fun. So I have something to say to that. Sure. So I would be interested in Mr. Braslett's um, take on a reflex action or a reaction to somebody. So say... We're talking to this baddie, and this baddie's not giving us the info we want. And I say, screw it. I'm done messing around. I, I don't know how many games this happens. I'm done screwing around. I pull out my knife, and I'm going to stab him. Or I'm going to do something that somebody else doesn't want me to do. So the, the combat escalation? Could be the combat escalation. It could be I'm going to throw something at the person. I'm going to cast a spell on the person. I'm going to do something... That is contrary to some so somebody, contrary to something that somebody else does not want me to do. 
right? So I say, hey, I stop them. I try to stop them. So do you do an opposed check? Oh, so it's that usual when you're in the when you're in the group, right? So it goes, fuck it, I stab him. No, I stop him. I don't right, want I you stop to him. stab him. Right, right, right. I don't want to stop. Hold on, hold on. No, no, I, I stop him. Oh, so as a DM, there's comes down to the DM, GM's choice. Does the GM say, okay, give me an opposed roll or- a Grapple check. Give me an initiative roll. So role. this happened at GaryCon. Um, we ran into a, a situation like that. And one of the folks, the player that was acting- so this is PvP, basically, is what it comes down well, to. Well, I guess it, it is. Yeah, a, a player wants to do something. Another player, a character wants to do something. Another character says, no, I yes, interrupt your yes, action. Yes. In the literal sense, it is player versus player. So, yes. So yeah, Sean physically attacked the other player. I heard about this. No, it was not. <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> so, um, so the guy's like, I'm going to do this. And the other person says, I'm going to stop him. And the character acting says, okay, I let him stop me. And it was it was worked out, and that was it, and that was done. Now, okay. in some situations, the GM just says, "Well, he did it; that it's already done." And then there's some situations where the GM may say, "Give me a roll, see if you can catch him." You know, give me a reflex roll, right? Yeah. Okay. Maybe maybe DC whatever. You know, maybe it's opposed, right? So how how would you do it? How would you do it, Brett? Would you let it roll, or do you say, "Hold up, let's hold on." What I have done in the past is that I say, okay, hold on a second. I guess so, it all depends on whether you want your NPC knifed or not, right? Well, yeah, kind of. And part of it, not only, I mean, apart from whether or not I want them alive, at that instant, I want to clarify the situation <clears throat> for the team saying, okay, where exactly were you for not using a grid or something? If it's theater of mine, which I tend to run lately. Okay, so Sean, you're staying directly in front of him. He's tied in a chair and you're questioning him. You said you were by the fireplace. So, okay, which is so, good 15 feet all right, so, so I, just, I set that stage. No, no, no. What? Skip that. Say it's, it can totally happen they're right totally next happen? to each other they're right next to each other there's no reason why he could not the other character could not stop him there there's no reason the character who's going to be stopped i say do you want him to stop you or are you dead set to do it no i'm gonna do this roll for initiative whoever goes first so goes you first. roll initiative and then see whoever That's wins initiative if one guy wins initiative he can attempt to stop him correct and if the other guy gets to go first then he can act accordingly and stab your npc correct okay and I know I understand, Roger, that this is a little bit different because you're doing it to hit roll, and that's a whole another ball game. But I'd be interested to see if you got if that's happened to you and you've gotten perturbed because maybe a GM said, "Oh, he stops you." Yeah, kind of that weird player slash GM fiat on top of your action, right? And again, that the hypothetical situation you laid out for me, I would be like, "Okay, let's initiative or that know, makes to, sense just to, to, to sort it out." Sure, sure. Then I'm not showing favoritism. The players are acting within the bounds of the rules, and that helps. Yeah. Cool. All right. The next one is longer. Do you want to read it? I think so. Give it a shot, man. Deep breath. All right. Matt Martinez. I know Brett said he's not necessarily a big fan of superheroes. Brett's lost the dream. He's not a dreamer. (laughs) Doesn't believe in superheroes. Not anymore, man. He's He's even got kids. I do. Anyways. I just tell them, there is no heroes. Everything sucks. I I just yell that at them a lot. The world needs heroes, Brett. I get them. Yeah, well, I get my kids ready to be disappointed. Okay. I'm kidding. I don't do that. Brett raises his kids with the understanding there is no Santa Claus. That's true. I do. You do not, do you? I absolutely do. My kids know there's no Santa Claus. I, I don't even know what to say to that, man. Well, I'm doing it right. That's what you say to that. So move on. Hey, for all the listeners, if you've just completely like, you know, I'm not listening to these guys anymore. This out loud in front of your kids, and Brett ruined Christmas for them. I'm sorry in advance. Or you've just totally lost all respect for us in any which way, shape, or form. The sliver that you did have, yes, it's gone now. All right, continuing. God, man. So maybe this won't win him over. Well, that's obvious. However, I can think of one example where opposed roles in combat feel uh, feel vital to the fiction of the game, and that's supers, supers. Revised edition. Whenever a hero attacks a villain, or vice versa, the defender can use any of their base resistances to avoid the attack, or they can use one of their powers. In either case, the defender opposes the attack roll by making a skill check for whichever method of defense is being used. For example, if the Green Goblin fires a rocket from his Goblin Glider, 
excuse me, at Spider-Man. Spider-Man could choose to A, leap out of the way with his superhuman agility, B, shoot a web to catch the rocket and possibly throw in a different throw it in a different direction, or C, uses superhuman strength to pick up a large heavy object that can intercept the rocket and take the damage. The catch is that the PCs can only use their powers once per combat round, so if the player chooses any of those methods, they'll have to wait until it gets back to the top of the initiative order to be able to use that power again. This can be problematic if he's being attacked by multiple opponents. Ooh, I like that. That's true. I think using opposed roles in these instances is essential because all the characters are being active rather than passive. The parties involved are always using abilities for which they must make skill checks, and sometimes those checks conflict with each other. It feeds into the narrative reality of the world where superheroes and villains are dynamic figures who are constantly acting and reacting. You know, Matt, I got to say, I, I have a number of comic books. I'm a comic book guy. And that feels to me, by your example here, that it emulates the comic book genre better than most of the, <clears throat> than any more, what, what I would consider kind of a, a D&D, I rolled a hit, you hit, take five damage type of thing. Because in the comic books, there's always that, oh, I l- luckily this Spider-Man uses the web and then he gets clocked by the next guy because he couldn't do something else or whatever it is. I like that. And the fact that there's um, a power, uh, a resource, the powers, the various different resources, management of it. Like, look, I have, if those are the uh, the three options, the A, B, and C, if I used A, I can't use A again until the top of the next round. I have to decide based on multiple opponents or other things I want to do which of my resources I'm willing to sacrifice to not get shot by the rocket. So that's kind of cool. I like that. That is neat. Speaking of Spidey, it's going to be in the Avenger or a Captain America movie. See the trailer, Brett? No. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I saw I saw parts of the trailer. Under Ruse. <laughs> the interesting thing to me about the direction that some that the Avengers version of the movies are taking is at this point, if they're going to do Civil War, I will go read the comic book instead, tell a new goddamn story. That's my take on it. The story's been told. It's old. It's done. Come up with something fucking new. Yeah, but there's tons of comic book people that don't read <clears throat> comics that go to the movies. Oh, yeah. It's good for them. I don't care. Boy. All right, man. Mr. No, and, and there's no Santa Claus. Now either. the fact that I know how Brett raises his kids in Santa Claus, there is a very... It is a very eye-opening moment for me. Now it answers okay. so many questions. <laughs> it paints such a clear picture. Does it now? All right, <laughs> let me move on. Next one is from Angela Murray. I thought I'd shoot you an email on your last episode. <clears throat> Excuse me. Love the recap of Gary Khan. Hopefully you'll get the cross, I'll get the cross paths with you at some con this year. Your topic of conversation is actually one of my favorites when it comes to running games. I love starting off campaigns and getting creative and trying to get the players invested in the game couple of random thoughts on the episode. First, I find there's a fine line between knowing when to bow out of a game because it isn't really your thing and refusing to play because you don't think you like it. I get very frustrated with gamers who stay in their comfortable little niche and refuse to try new things. <clears throat> Sean and I have talked about this before. Yeah, um, just, you know, hey. Do it! Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Basically, people need to be aware of why they're choosing not to play a particular game. Know, thy, uh, know thyself, but don't be a stick in the mud. To sum up, good on Brett for being willing to play a Star Wars game, even if he doesn't really care for the setting. Second, another important, uh, another important uh, aspect to kicking off a campaign is one ugh, is one you don't really touch on, and I think it that oh good God, I think it is one that sometimes gets overlooked. Why are these particular characters together, and why are they going to work together? I spent the beginning of too many campaigns in one of two situations. Either we spend an inordinate amount of time trying to get all the disparate characters together in the same place and working together, or a bunch of complete strangers band together without any thought to why. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is one of the reasons why I love the Apocalypse World game so much. Among many things, they also build that type of connection created into creation into the beginning. Not only should the PCs get connected to the world, they get connected to each other. I worked uh, this into many of my games in varying ways, regardless of the system or setting. Your mileage may vary, and there are plenty of great games that I've started with the PCs having no connection to one another. But as with many things, I've been there and done that, and it's just gone wrong more time than it's gone right over the years. Thanks again for a great show, Angela. Angela. You know, Angela, this is a, this is interesting because the last the second piece you you talked about, <coughs> excuse me, was actually a bone of contention for one of my players. One of my players hates 
sitting down and being quote unquote forced to have his character connected to all the other characters. Um, and I've, we in well, the past, so I can say that's okay. As long as they're not a dickhead about why am I with these guys? Absolutely. Right. So that's, that's, that's the term. That's his flip is right. Like, look, I've never fought the fact, you know, that we need to work together, but he says, look, I made a character that wouldn't necessarily hang out with Sean's character, but based on the way the plot line went, I understood the need to be there. But when the plot ended, I split up again and went my own way for a while. And then when we needed to come back together, we came back together. So he doesn't mind kind of that phasing in, phasing out. Sometimes, though, that does lend itself better to a longer term campaign than a short or one shot type of adventure. And that you really <laughs> need to have your shit together, because if I'm only going to play two, three sessions of something, I don't want to waste the first two sessions trying to figure out how everybody gets along or whatever. You'd rather have that baked in. Um, but my discussion with him around it last time he and I chatted through it was around, you know, doing, having it helps certain people really understand where their character fits and so forth. And I think you can actually do both. If to Sean's point, the player who doesn't want to have the automagic connections to anybody, uh, is willing to make his own as he goes, which in this case, my player is, Oh, I see a connection there. Yeah. I, I, I see where, I would be at this place at this time and I would hook up with Zave's guy and I would go uh, hang out with him. I, sure, I might not do it. I might not like Sean's character and that's fine, but we're both friends of Zave, so therefore I'll put up with him. All right, man. Good stuff. We got another one. Up to you. From Michael Walsh. Hey, boys. Just listen to starting an RPG and I agree with the social contract aspect when it is honored. Frustrations fly when I offer help via on-person or online for several weeks before we start a game. And when it's time to play, shit isn't done. <sighs> Players, man. <laughs> that's, that's, that was your point. Like, look, Brett, I'm not going to put all this goddamn work into it because no one reads the shit anyway. That's right. Yeah. One quick comment. Math Finder is still better than Thacko. Oh. See, Thacko is second edition. Thacko is not first edition. I don't care what edition it is. I'm telling you. All right. Thacko second edition. I've never said I was a Thacko fan. I hear you, Mike Walsh. I hear Constant Smack talked about Pathfinder. However, it's got its pros and cons. Same as D&D any edition. Well stated, Mike. Touche. Touche. I feel it is based off of what you're comfortable with, and Pathfinder is my comfort zone. Hey, I'm all right. Hey, all right. Okay. That's cool. Hey, I'm cool. I'm cool with that. Easy, easy Mike. Easy. I'm cool easy, with that, man. man. I'm cool with that. Keep <laughs> no, up. It's, the- a, it's a it's a good perspective. I've got one of my one of my uh, my players, Lenny. He's uh, he, he loves Pathfinder. That's his game of choice, and I don't mind running it. You know, it's uh, but that's his comfort zone. That's when he plays D and D type. He wants to play Pathfinder. I'm down with that. Down with that. Keep up the great work, guys. Looking forward to your latency player motivation show, Fateful Mike. Well, he ought to be because this topic was his idea. Oh, go it. See how it comes full circle. Totally full circle. It's crazy, man. And scene. Move on. Latency in RPG combat specifically, Brett says. Yeah, I wanted to talk about combat. If I'm recalling uh, Mike's uh, fateful Mike, his example last time was around some of the uh, delays excuse me, that come up in combat. And I think that for me, combat is one of the times when latency or delays, I'm using both terms interchangeably. And basically by that, I mean slowness. Um, There's a point of speed, inertia, everything is just going and going and going. And then it just bogs down. It gets really doggedly slow. You don't want to let the air out of the combat. And I think that combat is one of the places where when I have heard people in the past say, I want my game to move fast, I want it to move quick, or whatever it is, they're not talking about the interpersonal aspects of the game, the, the interactions and so forth, or the skill check of something or other. I tend to find people talking about in combat. So anyway, there's other aspects of latency, slowness, and so forth. I just want to talk about the combat version here to start with. If this leads us into uh, latency and other aspects, we can talk about it later. But talking about it just for combat. I see, I see, I see. So, Sean, yes, one of the things, one of my favorite things you've ever told me is, you know, when you're playing a game and someone's sitting there and they have a fighter 
Right. And there's three and there's three bad guys in front of him. The fighters looking at his character sheet going, God, uh, God, I don't know. What do I do? What do I do? Uh and you're like, dude, hit him in the face with hit your axe. Him in the face. Yeah. Punch his face off with your sword. I think yeah. <laughs> Analysis paralysis. Which I get if you're like a magic user-ish person. You know, you gotta try to figure out what spell you're gonna cast, but hey, if you're Phytor. Go up and bash him in the freaking face. So now let's step back. We're talking much, obviously D and D ish there. Do you find Sean? We've played a number of different systems between us. Do you find that certain systems or styles of combat, perhaps, or combat mechanisms or mechanics, cause more slowness or latency for you than others? Do you find it more in in like a D twenty game versus Star Frontiers? Or excuse me, Star Wars. Star Frontiers in a brain uh, versus Star Wars versus something else. Do you do you have a one? That, oh God, this game is this combat is really slow. So I think there's one thing that can attribute to that, and that is the lack of knowing the rules of the combat. So, so well, my question is though: Is there one system that you find for you has worse? Than others because the combat's so goddamn complicated or something? I think over the years, I have found that Pathfinder has, and 3.0 alike, derivative, has too many moving parts. So if you like it, that's great. Because there's nothing wrong with that. No. However, you know, if you're going to play, it's cool to play with the miniatures got to set up the miniatures placement of the miniatures is important the rules on how the miniatures move and how they how they can interact with each other are all important and when you start getting into that stuff it is craziness so on the game master side of that then my um excuse me, my counter or advice would be is a little more prep is probably needed either understanding what the bad guy's skills are, right? So that you don't grab generic bad guy out of a module or something that you've built. If you have never run a huge ancient green dragon in a Pathfinder or three or four year, any system of D and D, and you don't understand what it does or how it does it, you should do a little bit of research for, especially the big bad or something, something along those lines. And that if you're, as you were saying with player, players need to know what their, what their powers are and all that type of thing. Which can help them make quicker decisions. As a so, game master, if I have a massive combat with like a huge green dragon, a bunch of dragon cultists, and a beholder ally, if I don't know what those monsters do ahead of time, if I've done no research or prep other than beholders have stuff that they shoot out of their head and the cultists have some spells, if you don't have anything lined up, then it becomes really bogged down because even if you've listed things out, but if you haven't done any preparation into figuring out how they're going to work together or concepts around what they could or shouldn't do, you as a game master could get really slow. Oh yeah. Well, uh, the dragon wants to do a tail. Oh shit. What does he do for a tail? How's he, how's that work? How's that work? If you're constantly looking pieces up, that can just drag your combat down. So yes, it can. And I should stipulate that it is all human. This is all about the human piece. I think is number one, because if you took, uh, Fantasy Grounds, right, which is a virtual tabletop, I heard, because uh, I haven't played it firsthand, but a lot of the things that may slow things down when you're at the table, when you're playing Pathfinder, are not slowed down when you're playing on a virtual tabletop like Fantasy Grounds that considers all the rules that are already in place and considered via electronic medium. So. When I used to play Middle Earth role playing, which is a uh, variation of Role Master, and buddies of mine that have played Role Master, even when I play Role Master now, it can be cumbersome with the sheer volume of charts and things to look up and all this, because it's Chart Master is the, is the nickname for it. <clears throat> However, once you achieve a level of system mastery, as to, oh, I know what this means. I can go, I know where the charts are. I've got my own grids and I can figure this out. Part of it comes from doing homework, but I honestly think the other component of it from the game master side is don't bite off more than you can chew, right? You need to start with a certain um, size of an encounter for when it comes to combat, right? If I'm playing middle earth with you and I've got five players, six orcs or six goblins is plenty. 
to start with. Work your way through that. One or two trolls, perhaps, um, <clears throat> or whatever your, your version of balance is. What I'm getting at, though, is orcs, trolls, um, people from Farhad, um, evil horns and evil horns and treants trying to come in from a different side of the combat, and then some hobbits who are happen to be and then dwarf. I mean, the more complicated you make a thing, the harder it can be for you. If you don't think that you have the level of system mastery to handle some of those complicated components, it's like Pathfinder, right? If I need, if the only way for me to run a very complicated combat there is to use Fantasy Grounds or something that does a lot of the math for me, great, make sure you're using that tool. If you can't handle doing that on your own and you're not going to use Fantasy Grounds, don't bite off more than you can chew because you're going to introduce human latency into it because it's just, unless you are a human calculator, some of that shit you just can't remember. There's too much stuff happening on, on your side of the board. Well, in all fairness, too, it's not always calculation. Sometimes it's just knowing the rule. Whether you can move through a person or not, if you yeah. can you know, take a five-foot step or not, what the movements are, whether somebody has cover or not. Some, some of those you have to be determined, and then there may be math involved. But, yes, knowing all that stuff, ha- I mean, so, yes, if you know all that stuff, then great. It will move faster. And if you add complicated pieces where you have small creatures, I've got kobolds, right. orcs, and giants. One's hiding behind the other. One's between its legs. One has a special move if it partners up with this. <clears throat> Again, you, you added too many variables. And the equation in whatever, even if it's not uh, Pathfinder, even if it's Osric. I mean, if you have too many different things, um, it can get complicated. Call Cthulhu with you know, a handful of different cultists, monsters, and elder gods. And, and, and NPCs and cops and things. It gets wonky. There's a lot of shit happening. So I guess short version is control the size of the encounter from a game master perspective. That will help you be able to keep the combat moving faster and more furious to quote the uh, Savage Rules guys because you have a batch of things that you as a game master can control. <clears throat> kind of like if you're playing a fighter character, focusing on the rules that we, we talked about this when we had Chris and Phil on the show back in episode 50. If you're playing a character that's a fighter who specializes in punching people in the face, figure out what the punching people in the face rules are. You shouldn't have to ask that question every time you roll a d20. But again, as a game master, you can help facilitate that regardless of the system by keeping the size of the encounter to something that you know you can handle. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Now, one of the things you mentioned was um, minis and tactical gaming versus the theater of the mind. We both said this before. We're kind of getting you and I are more into the theater of the mind as of late versus the minis. Um, I honestly think, though, from a minis perspective, again, if I take the the other concept of don't bite off more than you can chew, uh, or if you do, <laughs> if you accidentally bite off more than you can chew, figure out a reason why it gets smaller, faster, or easier to handle. Um, but anyway, the other thing is that miniatures can actually, if people are paying attention, can speed play up in a way because it's very obvious. He's Five feet away, look, there's one square in between you. There's no questions or guessing. If he's standing behind the pillar, he's obviously behind the pillar. So sometimes some of those clarity components can be it can be uh, eliminated because it's visually obviously there. Yes, I can see that being uh, advantageous. However, I also think that if you ran theater of the mind, you can you can get into hand wavy stuff more 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 often than not. That's a good point too. Right. So you may say, well, it's right there in front of you. Assess the situation and, and act appropriately. But also at theater of the mind, you just bop, bop around each player to each player, your turn, which, where are you? What are you going to do? Well, how many people are close to me? Five people. Great. Can I attack somebody from me without moving? Yes. Go ahead. Give me a roll. Boom, bam, boom. Next. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not sure. Well, I'm not sure how far am I? Well, you're 20 feet. Go. You got to move. Okay. Sound good. Move. Okay. Next time, next round, you're going to be up there and then you're going to smash him in the face. Good. Got it. Okay, next. So I think what we're bleeding into here is, um, so let me think if I can kind of go back here. Basically, it's not system or setting specific per se. It's more of a system mastery uh, complexity level. How how big do you make something get? If you've never used a certain rule in Pathfinder or Gumshoe or Dungeon World or anything, if I've never figured out what it takes to drown a character in Dungeon World and the encounter is going to take place on people balancing on floating logs, I better figure out the fucking drowning and swimming rules. Uh, are, are they there? Are they not? How easy or how hard is it? I don't know. But these are things, as, as we said before a few episodes back, 
you need to know what that is. Well, you could. So, yes, another thing that will introduce latency within combat is the lack of knowledge, which we mentioned a little bit is, you know, if I don't know something, but then, okay, so not even that, right? So you don't know the drowning rules. Okay, the question is, are you going to break out a book to find the drowning rules in the moment, or are you going to make a ruling? Make a ruling. Hey, this is what's going to happen. Give me a constitution roll. You fail. Okay, you are drowning. And and if you fail two more times, you are going to go unconscious and drown. You know, okay, does that sound good? Great. And then when you're done with the game, you find out the drowning rules. Don't act like that, and so be it. But I think if you stop and go, well, we really need to act appropriately because there's a rule for drowning and we got to look that up, then you're you're getting into a whole Yeah, if you delay. if you weren't prepared for that, yeah. then you end up dragging it down. So this leads right into the, you know, what, Sean, what have you done and what has Brett done to try to decrease the latency, slowness, and pick up the speed of combat? Because quite frankly, for me, <clears throat> I want my combat to be as fast as I can get it. I want to feel like it's going and going and going. Um and that it doesn't just go, well, oh, geez, I don't know. Do I do this? Do I do that? <clears throat> you don't want people hemming and hawing. And I, as a game master, want to know what do I'm going to do. Right? <laughs> just do it. <clears throat> so a buddy of mine went to uh, Gen Con this many years past, like early 90s. Oh, my I God. Wasn't, I wasn't there. Oh, God, ages ago. Were you even born back then, Brett? I was born. I was alive back then. Um, so Eric Schaefer is the name. So Schaefer comes back, and I say, hey, Eric, how do I know you that doing? guy. Of course you do. No, I don't. Eric says, dude, I saw this thing. It was really cool. There was this guy running. There were two guys game matching. One guy was behind the scenes just working soundboards and shit like that. It was really, he said, it was just great production. He said, but the coolest part was the guy running it. He said, he's got 10 people around the table. Combat's going. Everything's moving. He goes, what do you do? And the guy goes, um, he goes, too late next. And he just, <laughs> and I'm like, fuck, that would be great for, and we listed off, we both listed off like the same four players that we played with periodically. We're like, yeah, that would be great to get this person, this person, this person, and her off their ass and make a move. And I actually utilized that in my vampire game for many years because I would start on one section, depending how initiative ran, I'd look over and go, Chris, what do you do? Great. And Mark, what do you do? Todd, what do you do? And when someone goes, um, I go, I'll skip you, come back. And we would roll through it. And if at the end of it, I went back to him and goes, I got nothing. Okay, next round. We would go, we would just, move past him maybe his character is shit in his pants and doesn't know what to do <laughs> could, that's kind of what we would do like well, you don't know you don't know you're acting as your character and you really don't know what to do you don't know what to do shit happens you're locked up um now there's no rule for that in the game right that's just me and a tactic or a technique i was using at the time sean have you ever done anything like that before have you done the you know, actor i skipped you I have done that, and I've tried to press it, but then sometimes you get somebody that may, some kind of blowback <laughs> may not necessarily appreciate your tenacity. Um, I've had little uh, hourglass timers at the table, um, you know, ten seconds, thirty second. You know, even those are too slow, in my opinion. Um, the one half thing, a, half a minute's a long goddamn time. It is a long time to, to figure out what you want to do. Um, I've had that. I've, I've kind of said, Hey, let's skip you do this, do that. But I think I've also told people like, Hey, you're up, you're next. So you're up Brett and Hey, you're, you're next player. That's one of the reasons I started to, I loved having, I loved having a whiteboard when I ran three Oh and Pathfinder and put up behind me. Because I stand when I run. I had this up on the wall or on an easel behind me, and I would go 30 to zero for an initiative track. And I put everybody's name in there, bad guys, da-da-da-da, when all the initiative was sorted out. So when saw how we were marching along through the initiative track, and people would be <clears> – <throat> you could see the players that weren't active mumbling amongst themselves to figure out, fuck, I'm up in five turns. I'm up in two turns. I would say, John, John would go, I do this because they saw it. And without having that in front of them, a visual thing, it's not always easy for them to remember, right? So one thing I have done to help speed it up in a game like Pathfinder, which can be crunchy or 3.0 or anything like that, um, is to have a visual cue of saying who goes first, who goes second, third, fourth, fifth, so on and so forth, um, or however your initiative works. So that way we all know. Even when we're playing Star Wars, Sean, on the virtual tabletop, you've thrown up a little box, a little text box that says, you know, Player, player, bad guy, player, bad guy. Something as simple as that. Right. So we know who's coming next. Right. Which then gives me a chance to say, okay, we're here all halfway through the combat, folks. Top of the order. 
And I use that as a cue. Yeah, so knowing when you go is probably a big thing. And then also, if you want to do the time timing thing and say, look, you're taking too long, let's go to the next person, boom, let's move things along. Um, I've done both of those. Um, yeah. Another the- thing I've done from an initiative perspective is I said, do you want to reset to the end? Oh. Basically giving them a tactical piece like, look, you're up here at number 24, but you're saying you don't know what to do. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I seriously, I'm, I just don't know. Good, you're at the bottom. You're at three. Okay, that's where you are. You know, <clears throat> there are rules in some of those games that you can reset your initiative. If I remember correctly, I think there's certain specific rules. Or if you want to hold actions, people go, I'm going to hold an action. I don't know. I'm, going to, I'm just going to stand here and do something. So even if you don't necessarily have a hold action, but giving someone the opportunity to say, um, I'm saying if there's not a hold action mechanic. To essentially say, look, I don't want, I don't know what to do, but I do know the first orc that comes by me, I'm going to bash him in the face. Great. So I take you, drop you down the initiative, or when the orc moves and comes up to him, I let him have a chance to bash him in the face. I have never said <clears throat> no next, and I never came back to the other player who I skipped. It's always been I skip and return back one more time and say, do you have anything? And if they say no, I really don't know what to do. Okay, you're you, now you're gone. I well, give him two shots. Basically. Yeah. And then I think eventually you have to incorporate, uh, electroshock therapy and well, uh, if necessary, you, you like negative, you. negative reinforcement. Yep. Yes. Negative reinforcement on ESP or initiative tracking. Right. Little Ghostbusters quote for you there. Right. Are you ready? Uh, zap. <laughs> hey man, this is not cool. But anyways. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> apart from skipping people, the other thing I have done is that I've talked about this before, but my monsters, my bad guys, I try to give them some sort of a personality or at least a goal. So, and a breaking point, if you will, especially for combat. So are the goblins cowardly? Yes or no. That simple answer tells me, do they run? Do they drop their weapons and beg for quarter? Uh, or do, do they fight to the death? Will they only fight to the death as long as the orc chieftain is there? Or will the cultist only stand as long as the high priest is there? Or are these cultists so freaking fanatical they're crazy? And it's the high priest who's smarter and he or she will run away. So <clears throat> by giving the bad guys something as simple as – it's kind of like a morale check in a way. But it's a more of a narrative component for me instead of just a number saying, I, I roll to see if I make their morale. Give them a reason to be in the combat. Even if it's just a simple thing as guard the house, protect the cult, um, make sure that the sacrifice is, is complete – and uh, our our tally of dead babies is is reached a hundred or whatever. It's Brett oh, games is clearly right. a dead baby somewhere. But anyway, point is, is that if I give the bad guys something like that, then I have a quick one two word component that gives me a reason why they're in the combat. Because not everybody fights to the death. Well, and by doing that, then I take certain actions, right? Yes. I also think that you can do a cheat sheet. For players, okay, that can list the different actions you can do. Well, that's a dungeon world thing, right? The playbook concept. Here, take these. Look right through them. Well, yes, yes. There is the moves, um, but also the moves aren't. So I, I, would I didn't mean to go right to dungeon world. Keep going. No, I know, but I, I hesitate with dungeon world because you you do what you want to do, and then it's applied to a move. So it's not. Yes, the Fair moves enough. can help, but. You know, six one half does the other. But anyways, or if you're a GM and you just you can just offer like, hey, you've got you could do this, you could do this, you could do that, or you can do this, or something else. None of these, but here are some suggestions. Okay, sounds good. I'm gonna bash him in the face. Perfect, great, awesome. Give me a one of them rolls. Great, boom. So even just a cheat sheet in say a combat cheat sheet or just actions that the character type would actually do. Um, would maybe help because sometimes players just don't know what they can and can't do, especially if they're new to a system or they're new to role playing in general. Right. So I think that's a good point. Or when how? Have, right. Or they don't or know how. how it can be done. Right. When I have given when I give options to players, I give them two. Look, you can either run away or you can fight. And someone goes, "Whoa, whoa!" It, sometimes, and the reason I do that is because when I make it black or white. One of the first reactions I get out of the player or the other players there going, well, he could also do, and now everyone's interacting, right? Even if the, even if the combat has slowed to a point, 
where all five players are trying to help Sean figure out what the best thing to do. Because sometimes it's not like he doesn't know how to do, but he's torn, right? Do I save the mage or do I stop the sacrifice? The mage is going to be eaten by a ghoul or do I stop the sacrifice? Ghoul, sacrifice, mage, sacrifice. And I say, look, dude, you can do one of two things. Save the mage or stop the sacrifice. And the player goes, wait a minute. Don't you have that spell? Oh, yeah, fuck. I do that. It causes a, a polling of the table, and now everyone's engaged. Slowness and latency comes from when people are bored is essentially the effect we're trying to stop. Either me as game master or my fellow or the players, my fellow players are bored as well. If everyone is engaged in the turn, even if it's just in Sean's um, cleric trying to decide what he's supposed to do or his um, police officer in Call of Cthulhu, who do I save? Hey, Flatfoot, go do this. Everyone's involved at that point, so it doesn't feel slow because everyone's taking part and they're chipping in. So to that, when I'm chipping in as a game master, I don't mind it when players take that step in to look at Sean and go, dude, this is what you should do. That's fine, right? And P can go, I don't know if I want to do that. I will help to push and prod if the player is just hesitant to do anything. That's when I get into the, I'll reset you. But I like the concept, when it happens anyway, of pulling the table. Because again, everyone's engaged and it doesn't feel slow then. Yeah, that's good, man. I think back to our... uh uh, Star Wars games, right? <clears throat> Excuse me, with the with the extreme narrative, if you will. When I roll the dice, I'm like, oh, God, I got a bunch of this, that, and no successes, but I got a lot of good stuff, and there's a couple bad. Um, when someone else throws an idea, it kind of takes it to that writer's table level of you trying to give ideas to people, but it takes what could be a slow event of Brett sitting there trying to fumble through what he wants the dice to say, and it ha- it makes it all move along faster. Yeah. 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 Have you done that, Sean? Or am I, am I just spitting diamonds here and you're picking them up finally? Is that what's happening? <laughs> I'm picking the diamonds <laughs> out of the shit. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody in my says like picking fly shit out of pepper. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> <clears throat> so I think one of, the, um, one of the other things to do just from, there's always the shock value, right? Of if you're not paying attention, you get hit. I mean, there's all sorts of crazy shit people have done like, Look, you know, wham, you get hit. By what? You don't know. You're not fucking paying attention, Sean. Oh, one of those moves. Which seems a little harsh. A little bit. (laughs) Especially fucking dickhead. And it's not easy to look at someone and go, dude, pay a fucking attention. Because that comes across a little harsh, too. I mean, granted, if you've all been friends for for 20 years, I can give uh, Lenny or Zave shit and say, dude, pay a fucking attention. I'm sorry. I was distracted. Put the goddamn phone down. Pay attention. All right. I'm sorry. But if you're at a con game or something, you can't go, dude, listen, woman, pay a fucking attention. Dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, <laughs> Whoa, whoa, jackass. Um, so <clears throat> the other part, though, is when you're at Be the Be in table, my game at game hole. That's how I'm going to say. Gonna, that's how you roll. <laughs> <laughs> so nobody's, from a player, nobody's signed up for my game, Brett. I don't understand. I don't know what's going on. No one will play with. <laughs> you know the whole thing we said at the beginning under the game hole banner? <laughs> you have to sign the must be an asshole release form. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh. <clears throat> but so the other piece is then to put a little bit on the players again, because we're all here together is if I try, you are fully licensed to also try to help the player make a decision. Um, the other thing to do is that rulings instead of rules, we, t- we touched on that and that helps instead of taking the time to look up something like you fall 50 feet, take, you grab uh, four, six siders and roll. I missed a six. It's one D six per every 10 feet. Son of a bitch. Doesn't matter. Just go. Oh, my God. It's not the end of the world. I made a mistake one time. I think I've said this where the mind flare should have ripped one of my players' brains out. Player, sorry. Characters, characters, player characters. <laughs> should have killed the character. Wishful, oh, wishful yeah. thinking. Wishful thinking. And Beta should have, his character should have been dead. Guess what? I screwed up. I screwed up four fucking times in a row. And what we did was at the end of it, <clears throat> we looked back and Alpha goes, dude, I, I think you read that rule wrong. I'm like, yeah, I think I did too. Something didn't feel right. But it was cool. We just kept going. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's almost to the point I look at rulings versus rules oftentimes is like let the dice fall where they may in a way. Is sometimes you're gonna make a really good one, sometimes you might make a bad one, or one that's kind of straddling the line. So I don't discourage that from my players or game masters if we say, Hey, you know what? In this situation, I say he falls, lands on the five dead orc bodies in the bottom of the of the pit. That's why he took one less D6 of damage. Good enough. Moving on. In the paying attention realm the other thing is that your tone of voice as game master if you're sitting behind the screen you're like okay <laughs> so i rolled a hit 
clack, clack. Uh, you take six, Sean. Um, James, it's your turn. Good. Uh, James, you did this. Doc, um, Doc gets two. Good. I mean, that's fucking dull. Dude, you gotta be like, uh, you gotta be like, what's his name? Uh, who's the big bad, uh, mobster guy in the Untouchables? Al Capone? You, you want him dead. You want gotta, his family no, dead without turned to the ground. You gotta be Al Capone when they're meeting in the table room. Yeah, just, and he's roaming around, walking around with a baseball bat, bat <laughs> talking about team, team, team. And then Cava guy's just in. Here, I heard you do. Team, team, team. <laughs> but. <laughs> Apart from the baseball bat approach, again, the other thing to Sean do Kelly is- register for one of my events, game home. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I promise, leave the baseball bat at home. It's it's an energy thing, right? And that's a piece that when I'm done running a game, I'm usually physically tired. One because I'm standing for you know God eight hours or whatever when I'm running, and I yell, I raise my voice, I lower my voice, I whisper, I lean on the table. I've been known to smash tables around or chairs, bang the table to get people's attention. You're gonna get us sued, dude. <clears throat> I'm fine with that. That's okay. cool. Right, we, right. we got, that's, that's what the patrons for is to cover the lawsuits. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> but to be engaging, it helps to have, to vary your tone of voice as a game master. And also to point at them and say, bam, you take six points of damage, huge crushing blow. Um, you take six, boom, the bullet just goes whizzing by your head. Doesn't, sh- doesn't hit you. Wow. Close miss. Next. That type of discussion is going to be a lot better than, okay, he missed you. He hits you, you take six, you hit me for five. That is just math. It's just accounting at right. that point, which again is some of the cool components of games like like a fate, as the guys at Mr. Rector Mark talk about. Like, look, I, I give you, a, you know, I'm putting aspects on, I'm doing different things. It's more descriptive. <clears throat> if you take those descriptions, even short, tight ones, raise your voice when it's tense, you know, you relax when it's time to relax, but combat should be pretty intense and you should feel. That there, if I'm the one narrating the event, I'm laying back in my chair and I'm just super mellow, super relaxed. No one's going to get into it. If I'm standing up, I'm rolling dice and I miss. Damn, I missed. Oh, that was close. Boom, you hit. Great. And you raise your voice. You you get into it. It will get your players into it. You can't not pay attention when your game master is into the event. RPGs. Other players man. get into it. It's hard to it's hard to hard to lay in the weeds. Yeah, RPGs, man, not a spectator sport. Get in there, people. <laughs> do it the other piece so where i'm getting at is you have to not be afraid to be the center of attention right as the game master and as the player encourage them to do encourage them to do something cool and when they do it you know make the make it happen fast but so sean when it comes to slowdowns in games is there any particular event that's happened recently in any game either at a con or something at gary con that felt really slow to you that you're like, oh, if only we would have done X, it would have moved on faster. Well, I think there's times we get to a part of the adventure where we don't know what to do. Like, you know, there's a, there's, we, in Chad's game, first edition AD&D, we came to an end of a hallway. We didn't have a rogue, so I detected, what did I do? Detect traps, the spell. It lit up the end of the hallway, totally took up the whole thing. Of course, then we were like, great, how do we overcome this? So we're tossing stuff in there and seeing what happens. And, you know, Chad, of course, at the, after we overcome the situation, he's like, man, I didn't know if you guys were ever going to get past that. And we were like, probably, I don't know, maybe an hour or not even an hour into the adventure. And we're already dinking around with like, we're 50 feet into this hallway and already and stopped dead. And already we're like, because we don't, you know, so it's like. So that type of encounter, when it gets to that, I mean, if there is fear of death, right? It's hard to always drive your character like you stole it. Sometimes you're a little scared of death, but that's a bad spot as a game master. You want them to keep moving. You don't want them to sit there and like throw copper pieces down the hallway. Keep on moving, don't stop. Keep on moving, don't stop. No. Brett can't stop me because he was <laughs> he'll saying he'll goodnight to his daughter. Because I had to kiss my little daughter goodnight. Keep on moving. Damn it. So just to step away from com- from the combat perspective for a little bit is that when your players are stymied like that, are the mechanically speaking, <clears throat> um, or even from a ruling perspective, is there's times to give people, hey, give me a give me a check for this, do this thing, give me a that role. Who has this skill set? Well, you obviously know the you're a dwarf, great, you know the the hallway slanted or something. Or <clears throat> excuse me, your your librarian knows that everything in, in this shelf is out of order for some reason or or whatever. There's ways to speed that type of thing up simply when 
and again, it's just like combat in a way is when someone's just stunned by the plethora of things that they could do and they just don't quite know what to do, give them something to do. Yeah. If you're like, look, man, the only thing you can really do is bash him in the face with your axe. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You're in hand-to-hand combat with an ogre. You either hit it in the face with your axe or run away. That's it, dude. Yeah. Uh, well, can I trip him? Sure, you can try. It's an ogre, dude. Why do that? Oh, yeah, good idea. You know, if they don't know what to do, give them options. Otherwise, you're going to sit there for an hour and watch them throw rocks down the hallway. Yeah. Even if it's in combat, you're going to sit there and watch them fiddle around with shit for an hour. All right, we should go on to die roll. Cool. Hey, if people got better ideas or different ideas, or if if uh, Mr. Mike, <laughs> if we totally missed the goddamn point, let us know, man. I'd love to hear uh, other options or ideas. All right. Die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points of gaming or geekery we want to bring to you. Brett has two. I have two. Brett. The collected Pits and Perils hardcover is now available. What? There. Pits and Perils is a little, uh, it's an OSRE thing, a little retro clone type action. The guys who do Pits and Perils, it's a pretty slick little operation. I follow these guys, uh, old school um, group on uh, on the Google Pluses and such. I have yet, I think I'm going to pick this one up. I've been hemming and hawing over getting the actual rule set, but this is the collection of all their stuff in hardcover. Looks like it might be a, might be a good way to go. If nothing else, they're, they're super nice folks. They put out really good material. Um, and I think I might need to throw these guys a little love, a little pick up something. The other one I have is in the, <coughs> excuse me, in the interest of uh, inter- interesting um, scenarios and so forth. There is a list of 12 people telling their terrifying encounters with the Navajo skinwalkers. What? Um, so skinwalkers are these nasty um, kind of anti-shaman or anti-wizards, um, if you will, of the Navajo culture. I totally probably butcher that if there's any uh, Navajo folks out there and I <laughs> insulted you, I apologize. But read it. It's pretty cool. Some are pretty short, but uh, from a horror perspective, it gives me some really good ideas. I like it. Back to you, Sean. Fireworks bazooka. That's all I'm going to say. There's a bazooka. That shoots fireworks. A must-have for your Independence Day. Check, you gotta check this out. Holy shit! You gotta check it out. I cannot describe what this guy does. He makes a home, a home bazooka, and puts fireworks in it and shoots it at like a tent, a pickup truck. He even puts strings on his socks and shoots them off. <laughs> Is, That's right. You can't get you can't insane. bet you can't get better content than this, ladies and gentlemen. This is crazy. This is something that my uh, my buddy Eric would uh, would have done. I wouldn't doubt that he's probably done it and lit himself on fire in the process. It's good. Interesting. Okay, it's good oh, stuff. Shit. Crazy. Link in the show notes. Number two, top ten tabletop game kickstarters as of March tenth, twenty sixteen. So you think you know which ones are the top 10. Well, ICV2 has got the lowdown. And I won't tell you who the top three are, but number 10 is Zombicide Season 2. Number 9 is City Builder. Number 8 is Bones 3, Search for Mr. Bones by Reaper Minis. And it goes up from there. Well, no doubt after uh, Mr. John Wick is done getting his million and a half, I'm sure I'm He's sure th- we'll probably change things. If he gets up. a million and a half, he won't make the top ten. That's Oh, that's right. Uh, you check it out. Check out this chart. And it also breaks it down dollars per backer. And one yeah, and right. one is uh, one is as high as eight hundred and sixty seven dollars per, per backer. backer. We won't mention it because you gotta check it out in the show. Like notes. No, number one raised like over eight and a half million. That's Holy right. fucker balls. Yeah. That's yeah, man. That That's Interesting. Right. Yeah. So there you have it. So anyways, we want to thank all the supporters of the show, including yourself, as well as patrons like Joe Swick, Kevin Lovecraft, Steve Day, Old School DM, Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Jeff Rademacher, Forrest Gary. Misdirected Mark, Brett's biggest fans, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Tony Baker, Palladian, and newcomer Bruce Cunnington. Consider becoming a patron of the show at gamingnbs.com forward slash Patreon. 
And then, of course, we also want to thank Corey Wynn for his support via PayPal. Otherwise, next week... Eight Savage Worlds with the boys from the Savage Worlds bloggers. Ron Blessing and Christian Serrano. Stay tuned. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night, good game and all.